0: I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments, and hopefully if I'm not through with it this morning, we'll finish it next Sunday. Um, We're going to talk about in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 8. This particular text is found in many books of the Bible. This particular story does. We're going to Ezra, part of the story. We're going to go to Nehemiah for part of the story and Hagar, part of the story, and we're going to finish in Zechariah to pick up the rest of the story. Because it is one story, and it's being told by Ezra as being told by Nehemiah, and then they all tell you that the prophets, Hagar and Zechariah, they both entered the picture. But you have to go to their books to find out what they're saying when they enter the picture and that they all tell you is that they show up and say something that changes the atmosphere and this particular story is a story of of three things that have to be built they had to build the temple they had to build the wall they had to build the city and they did it in that order they actually felt that if they don't build the temple first, they couldn't get the rest built. First of all, even, even without protection, even without the walls, they set out to build the temple. Secondly, they decided to build the wall to protect themselves, and finally they wanted to build the city. What you need to understand that is that this old city of Jerusalem lays in ruins. Its walls have been destroyed. It builds has been buildings have been destroyed. Nothing but a hip, heap, heap of rubble. That's all there is. As a matter of fact, it was so bad that Ezra got there that even his horses couldn't get through. He had to go around many places because his horses couldn't even get through the city on the streets. There was so much rubble. In the streets. And God's plan was to rebuild his ruins. Anytime that the devil gets in the arrangements, there's always ruins. Every time the devil gets involved in your life, in your home, in your marriage, there's always ruins. Anytime God decides to bless through his Holy Spirit... Satan will try everything he can to keep you from entering into that prophetic season of your life. He will try to do everything he can to stop you from fulfilling and accomplishing what God has really have spoken to your life, what God has spoken to your family, what God has spoken to your marriage. He will do whatever he can to keep you from entering that prophetic season of your life. And that's why the devil tries to get involved, because if he gets involved, he can rearrange your life and ultimately end up in ruins. That's what he specializes in. That season that had been prophesied over your life. Every trick will come against you to keep you from that place. So this morning, I'm going to speak to those who are in pursuit of victory. Those who are in pursuit of a breakthrough. But you have been in a long battle. You have known you are in the edge of something great. And you know, you're just at the edge of a breakthrough that is going to be a great victory for your life. But you're tired of the journey. You're there. You're close to it. You can see the edge of the, of the breakthrough in your life. But what happened is that you're wore out. You're tired of constantly fighting. You're wore out, constantly facing the battle. But here this morning, I want to speak to you on this topic about exhausted, but still in pursuit. I didn't say exhausted and on the run. I didn't say exhausted I said exhausted, but still in pursuit. I can be tired and still be winning. I can be weary, wore out, and still be winning. I can be ready to drop and and ready to give up, but still I can be winning. Listen, because sometimes you feel like giving up, but in spite of how I feel, I'm still going to pursue what God has for me in my life. I'm not going to allow the enemy to keep me down. So in other words, I'm going be tired. I'm going be worn out. I'm going be exhausted. But I'm still in pursuit for what God has for me in my life. And when you understand that, listen to me. The sooner you get a hold of that principle, the sooner you get a hold of that mindset, you will see victory in your life. It's important. Because there is a victory ahead of you. So we're going to talk about that today. I don't know how far we'll get this morning, but I want to talk to you about that particular subject about exhausted but still in pursuit. And we find our assignment this morning in the book of Judges, chapter 8, verse 4. It tells us in the scriptures that when Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the three other 300 men who were with him crossed over. Exhausted, but still in pursuit. Pursuit of their enemies. Listen, even though they were tired and hungry, they had every intention to win. And and that is important because life, circumstances, setbacks, and problems has a way of discouraging us to fulfill the purpose, and the plan for our life. After a while of pursuing, and you don't see it, that breakthrough in your life, it is so easy to want to quit. It is so easy to to throw it in. But we learned this morning that, yes, they were exhausted, but still in pursuit. Let's look over our lesson this morning. In the book of Daniel, tell us that we are told that the script, the spirit of the antichrist has been sent to this world to wear out his saints. In other words, he wants to wear you out. The, the enemy's agenda is to wear you out. And what happens when you are wore out of continuously battling something after a long time, the thing that we want to do is Quit. We want to give up in our walk with God. We want to give up because we're tired. That's what this, this, the spirit of the inner Christ will do. The, the inner Christ have not come into power yet. When the inner Christ comes into power, his role in that place is to destroy anything that looks like God. The church already has been raptured. But here, the inner Christ will pursue the Jews he will pursue anything that had to do with the Bible. He will pursue anything that had to do with God in order to set himself up as God. That's his goal. That is the goal of the Antichrist. That's what you need to understand. Anything that reflects the thing of God, the Antichrist wants to destroy. He wants to bring it down. And that's why you come in, because you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You represent the living God. And he works hard to bring you down, is to wear you down and to wear you out. And then the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel, he will try to wear you out, wear out the saints by changing times and laws. What he's trying to do is change seasons of your life. He wants you, want you that, that when you're supposed to be I, a productive season, that you are so worn out that you don't even cross over. That when you are in a productive season of your life, and, and, and you're that you can see it going forward, but he wears you out that he doesn't want you to cross. He wants you to see it, but never cross over. He wears you out. Have you ever felt many times that you're close to the breakthrough, but you never get the breakthrough? He wears you out. He he wears you down. And that's what he tries to do. You You can be so tired from a battle that you could be standing on the edge of that victory. And all you have to do is make one more step, but you are too tired to make a step. You're too tired to go forward. I love the story of the children of Israel in the wall of Jericho. Because after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and burying around 80 people every day for 40 years, the children, of, the children grew up in a desert, never seen a city, never understand that life is like They were desert babies. They grew up in the desert. And they grew up this generation that Joshua worked with. And their forefathers have all died. Everybody from the age of 20 down were the only ones who got to live. They have not seen Egypt. They have never seen the things they had dealing with far So long, most couldn't remember that they were very small babies. Many of them were born in the desert. But Joshua showed up after dragging his army through the desert, after dragging his saints through the dry places, after almost starving to death, after almost being beat up by the Amalekites, after being pursued but many enemies in the desert, Joshua show up and see the first battle, which is the wall of Jericho. You have to understand this in, your, in the theater of your mind. He's facing Jericho, one of the strongest walls during that time. All his army have ever known is the desert place. The, all, all the older generation have passed away. So Joshua shows up to see the first battle, which is the wall of Jericho. And he stands there saying, Lord, we don't know how to fight as an army. All of the army have died. And all I have is this group of people who are, who are ready to go into the promised land. And one old man by the name of Caleb, who had who had faith enough to see, to say, give me this mountain. I I have this old man and a bunch of young people. We don't, we don't know how to fight. They are not well trained. That's what Joshua is saying. I know you you have been through a lot and through rough times. I know it has been mighty heart but after all you have been through you think you can show up with a shout that i might don't have a whole lot i might don't know how to defeat all this stuff but all i know that i have a shout and if i can shout if i can still lift up my voice in spite of all the hell that i've been through And after a while, all that people want to do to me, to take me down and to bring me down. I might not have a whole lot, and I might not look like a whole much, but all I know that I can shout. I still have a shout in my voice. I still have a shout down here deep inside. Listen, I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but I've come to tell you that as long as you have a shout. Ooh, my Lord, as long as there's a shout within you, there's always a possibility of a breakthrough. As long as you can still lift up your voice. Oh, my God. My God. a shout. Listen, I can bring those walls down if, if you can walk and shout. I believe the Lord can handle that. I believe the Lord can handle that. You know what? When you don't know what to do in your life, but you can pace the kitchen, you can pace the hallway in your house back and forth. And while you're pacing back and forth, you can still be praying. While you're pacing back and forth in the middle of the night, and you don't know where to go, listen, I might be pacing back and forth, and I might look restless, but I know I can shout. I can pray and walk at the same time. And as long as I can do that, I can see a breakthrough in my life. Church, I know you have been through a rough season. And I know that it might have been a long night. And I know that you've been through many battles. But can you show up with one more shout? Can you show up with one more shout as you stand at the edge of your victory? You see, that the inner Christ spirit wants to wear the saints out in order to keep them from achieving what God wants them to do and come into the promise. How, how do he possess to do that? In this story, building of the temple. First, let us start in the book of Ezra. And this story, this, this story, the building of the temple was halted for about 10 to 15 years. That's a long time to wait. You know, some of you have been in a battle where you have waited for 15 years. For a victory. Some of you have been waiting a long time for a breakthrough. You have been fighting battles for 15 years. For somebody to be healed. 15 years for somebody to come back to the Lord. 15 years to get a breakthrough. 15 years waiting on the anointing to flow like God promised that he will, it will flow. Nothing has happened yet. You have been going, you have been investing, you have been faithful, you've been praying for a long time, but nothing has happened yet. It's easy to lose our hope. It is easy to lose our victory when nothing is happening in our life. You have invested tears, you have invested sweat, prayer. For 15 years we hear the story that they were trying to build the temple, but it was halted for that long. In the book of Ezra, chapter 4, 4 and 5, tells us, it says, then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building Listen to this. And they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Syria, the king of Persia, and until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. I want you to understand what's going on here. All they wanted to do is to build their temple. But for 15 years, because of these enemies, now, isn't now, it's not listed names in this particular scripture, but in a, in just in a few moments, we will identify who they are. These people who are attacking them for fifteen years, the church is halted. For fifteen years, the church is silent. For fifteen years, the temple lays in in rubble. Can you imagine that discouragement? Discouraged hearts of the people walking by and knowing that there is more potential than this. And I, know, and I know worship can be in this place. I remember when the glory of God was in this place. What a heartbreak or heartache to walk in a temple that used to blaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And only to see that ashes of what used to be. See, that's what they felt. They look at their temple and they said, man, I remember when my mom and my dad used to worship there. I remember when that church was on fire and, 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 and reaching the laws, But now it's not doing anything. For 15 years, they saw the temple in rubbles. But according to the king, they couldn't pick up one stone and stack on another. They were not allowed. Every day, frustrated because here it is the building's material. It's laying all around us. The works are already, the workers are ready to work. But year one goes by, still kicking the stones. But year two, I am mad. But year three, I am frustrated. By year four, I'm ready to give up, but I'm hanging in there. By year five, I am very aggravated. By year six, I don't know if I can make it through year six, but I made it through year seven. And I can get through year eight and nine. I'm still walking by the same same stones every day because an enemy have come and, and invaded the progress and stopped the progress by using these counselors. This is what Ezra group was up against. It was against people who are trying to stop the progress of rebuilding the temple. You know what? And, and there's people who show up in your life as well, who like to stop what God is doing in your life. Nehemiah comes after him. Nehemiah's job was to build the walls. Ezra's job was to build the temple. And this same enemy are trying to stop their progress. What they do, they look like. Let me tell you what they look like. In Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 19 Tell us. They say, they say. They so they say. Let us rise up and build. Then they then they set their hands to this work, good work. But when Sambala, the Huronite, Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem, the Arab heard of this, heard of it, they laughed at us, and despised us, and said. What is this thing they're, they're doing Will you rebel against the king? These are the three enemies that stop their progress. And we're going to get to it in a minute. I'm laying a foundation. that You know I'm going somewhere. This is the three enemies that stop their progress. When they heard it, they laugh at us. And they despise us. What is this thing that you are doing? now, now check this out. The Sambala, I want you to hear what he said. This three, these three enemies that stop the progress, what is the significance of Sambala or Tobiah and Geshem? First, let's look what Sambala had to say. The Bible tells us, so but it so happened when Sembala heard that we were rebuilding the walls, that, that he was furious and, 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 and very ignorant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? We will fortify themselves. They will offer sacrifice when they completed in one day. When they revive the stones from the heap of rubbish, stone are, that are burned. Now listen to this language. The one thing you need to understand about God, God pays attention to everything you say. God pays attention to everything you say. What comes out of your mouth, God pays attention. God is listening to, the, to how you speak and what comes out of your mouth. You can speak positive things or you can speak negative things, knowing or not knowing the harm that you're causing. But what comes out of your mouth and what you say, God pays attention to that. The power of life and death is in your tongue. The power of life and death is in your tongue, regardless of how you act. When you say, say, what you say is making more of a difference than ever, the way you act. What you say is important. It's very important. Sometimes it's more important than the way you act. What comes out of our mouth, the things that we say. The words that come out of your mouth are the sword of life, the sword of life, or the sword of death. They can pierce the soul or lift up the spirit. What comes out of our mouth? The mouth is a very powerful tool. You can destroy somebody, or you can build somebody up. You can destroy a ministry, or you can build a ministry up. You can build up a Christian brother or sister in the Lord, or you can destroy a sister or brother in the Lord. It is in the power of the tongue. And how you respond to it is very important. What, you, what comes out when he speaks those words, God identified him. First, he is throwing a fit. He's having a tantrum. Because he is mad. Have you ever known people like that? Like When, when, well, when they're not getting their way, they, they, they throw up a tantrum at the grocery store. They get, they get mad. Second, he's acting like a child. He's standing there mocking them, making fun of them as, as a childish matter. This is what he's doing this is how he's acting the next thing he's doing is gossiping oh lord he's gossiping he is talking to the brethren about him he said can you believe what they're trying to do over that church over there they're trying to rebuild that the, the temple can you believe that They want to go back to their old glory days. Can you believe? You know what? He starts gossiping. Have you ever known people? Oh, my Lord. He starts to gossip. Gossiping is a very dangerous thing. It can can rip people apart. Because what happens when you gossip here? And but the next person who gossip over there is not the same thing that started over here. So he starts to gossip to the brethren about him. Next, he's doing, he's giving idols threats. He's talking to the army, trying to stir up something in the army. The next thing he's doing, he's calling them names by trying to. Make them look little in their own on their own sight. He's calling them feeble, he's calling them feeble Jews. No, know, know what they are doing. These feeble Jews will, will never be able to build this. What the spirit of Sembala looks like is a spirit of in, intimidation. It is a spirit of intimidation that they try to intimidate you from stepping out. They try to intimidate you from making progress. They try to intimidate you and keep you from moving forward with God. Since they're not the ones being blessed. Since they're not the ones God is using. Since they're not the ones that are being anointed by God. So what they try to do, they try to intimidate everything else by stopping the progress. That's what that's what wants to come against your dream. And that's what wants to come against your vision. And that's what wants to come against your progress. Do you realize all the devil has to do is intimidate you? So he has to do. Come on, Pastor Eric, because if not, I'll keep preaching until 1.30. Because all he wants to do is to intimidate you. That's what the spirit of Simbala wants to do. He wants to intimidate you and keep you down. He wants to come against your dream. He wants to come against your vision. He wants to come against your progress. And he wants to do that. Do you realize that devil wants to do that in your life right now? He's trying to intimidate you. And he can't stop your dream. And he can't stop your vision. And he can't stop your progress. And, and, and Sambala represents the spirit of intimidation. He comes, he comes against your mind. He wants you to say what he says. Because if he tries to intimidate you long enough, you start believing what he's, tell, what he's talking about you. He's trying to intimidate you enough that you start believing his lies. You start believing what they're saying instead of understanding and believing what he's saying. What happened? The spirit of Sambala comes into our life and intimidates us from trusting and believing that God is more able and capable You do something great on your marriage. Do something in your life. He's trying to stop you from believing on great things. What happens, we end up being satisfied and, and walking around the same mountain for 40 years because people out there are intimidating us from stepping out and believing that God can do what He promised He can do. You know, a lot of people never make any progress with God, any progress in their marriage, any progress in their family, in their ministry, because they feel like they're not. Because you know what? The Spirit of Sambala comes against them and and intimidates them. He comes against your mind. He wants you to say, What he says, he wants you to speak like him. When God sent Ezekiel to the house of of Israel, he said that they they are stubborn. He says that they're going to be like thorns in your eyes and they're going to be like scorpions around you. But whatever you do, do not become like them. He said, they're going to come against you. People are going to come against you. They're going to attack you. But whatever you do, Ezekiel warns the house of Israel, don't become like them. In other words, don't start thinking like them. Don't don't conform yourself to what people are saying about you. Because at the end of the day, God has a plan for you. God has something better for you. That in spite of what it looks like on the outside and the people who might surround me right now are not the ones who are going to be with me at the end. Oh my God. Listen, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm telling you, don't allow them to talk you out of what God has for you. Whatever that purpose, whatever that plan, whatever that destiny, don't start talking like them. Because that's what they want. Whatever you do, make sure that they know that there is a prophet among them. That's what Ezekiel was telling them. Don't allow them to talk you out. Don't allow them to talk you what I have for you. Let him know that there's a prophet among you. Satan plans is to intimidate you to the point that you start saying what they say. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to get to the point that you start talking like them. Start talking nonsense. Start talking defeat. Start talking discouragement. Start talking all this stuff. He wants to, want to intimidate you to that point that you start repeating the words He has put in your mind. He puts them right here first. He put the thoughts of discouragement, the thoughts of giving up, and, and the thoughts that I'm not good enough. and I, He put all those thoughts right here first, and, and then you start speaking them out. And you have to be careful because, like I said earlier, what you say is important. God is listening. You can't talk nonsense. You got to speak victory. You got you to gotta speak, for God is with me. For I can do all things. through Christ who strengthen me. For no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You got to speak the words that come out of your mouth words of victory because the enemy has a way of doing that he wants a way of destroying what God has for you but whatever you do whatever you do don't become like them He wants to intimidate you to the point that you start repeating the words he wants to put in your, in your mind. If, if he says you are ugly, he want, he's waiting for you to say it. If you say, you know, I'm too heavy or, or this, he's waiting for you to say it. If, if he says you are too short, sure, I don't believe it. I might be short on the outside, but I'm tall on the inside. I'm big on the inside. Hallelujah. I'm a big guy. Because you know what? That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to, to say it. Be discouraged. If he says you are not. Well, enough, he is waiting for you to hear that. If he says you are not good enough, he's waiting for you to say that because he knows that every time you confess your own, you own it. If you speak it out, look, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good. I'm just horrible. I'm defeated. I'm always sick. And I'm always never, I never make the team. I I never do. You know what? You own it. You got to claim the victory. You got to claim the breakthrough. That's what Simbala wants to do. To get you to a place that He discouraged you. And I'm going to stop there for this morning. We'll continue next Sunday. But I tell you what, this morning, I want to ask you this morning, you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, man, that that spirit of Sambala that comes upon my life, the spirit of intimidation that comes in my spirit that tries to intimidate me that I'm not going to ever get well. Or intimidate me that I'm never going to see restoration They try to intimidate me that I'm never going to be delivered from the addictions that I'm fighting with. That I'm never going to be set free from the the things that hold me bondage. He tries to intimidate you. But greater is He. But greater is He.